0: My name is Jeha and I am one who drinks too much. Uh, and that's, it translates, uh, translates someone who drinks too much or just straight alcoholic. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little distracted here, but, uh, I'm going to make this in 10 minutes. Just y'all watch. Um, I am calling in from Olympia, Washington right now. I am at a friend's house uh, who just passed away and, you know, um, I've been really struggling today. Uh, five days from now, I think, is my three-year anniversary, my three-year sobriety date. Uh, what else? So yeah, November seventeenth is when I got sober and back in 2019. And uh, yeah, I was actually born and raised in California. You know, I got the grew up really nice and privileged. You know, adopted white by white people. It was fucking. You know, I guess like lucky me, but also not lucky me, but I'm not gonna get into that. Like I I'm dual diagnosis and my parents noticed at a young age that their child wasn't like the other children and shit like that. So uh they brought me to Kaiser and they started using me as a lab rat. Oh shit. And um uh, yeah. And uh you know, I'll check in on that later. But uh you know I'll make it short, kind of sweet and simple. Uh, My first drink was an accident and I didn't didn't know that there was going to be alcohol in my soda after a softball game and I didn't fucking like it. And at that point, I was like, I swear, I'll never do alcohol again. Well, that was a fucking lie. Someone introduced me to punk rock and that was at the beautiful ripe age of 14. I started going to shows. People introduced me what the fuck a 40 ounce was. And I just fell into that lifestyle. But also I had some shitty behaviors along with my alcoholism and outside of my alcoholism with my mental health. And that was being abusive, being a piece of shit, not treating people with respect, lying, cheating, stealing, you name it. I was fucking doing it. And that that same process, those repetitive actions, just like that went on for fucking years. I was just a complete fucking asshole, drunk and mental health unchecked, right? you know, so later on in high school, I was on ADHD meds. And at first I was taking them normally, but on weekends, they were like, stop taking them on weekends, just just cold turkey. And I was like, okay. They didn't know throughout the years that I started upping the dosage to my extremely intense ADHD meds. And I was giving myself like, I think by my senior year, almost 100 milligrams of long release dexadrine and I was hustling the kids at my nice, rich high school for their money just so I could get school, go fucking drink, and piss my fucking pants, right? Got out of high school, and I kept doing the same shit. I was like, I'm going to Georgia because everybody's doing drugs was my bullshit excuse. A month and a half later is when I came back because I couldn't survive because I was a little bitch. Few years down the line, I got married. And right before that, my spouse pointed out to me, you're an alcoholic. You have a problem. And I was like, me? A problem? Fuck no. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go to an AA meeting. And them and their best friend dragged my ass to an AA meeting in Mill Valley, fucking California. Mind you, I was hung over shit and sweating my fucking butthole off, thinking I was going to shit myself the whole time. And this fucking AA meeting was an indoor skate park, right? And my friends were like, yeah, we're going to climb up to the top of the skate ramp. I was like, y'all fucking kidding me? No, they weren't fucking kidding me. And we, somehow, I didn't shit myself on the, like, way up of the skate ramp. And I sat through that meeting and, of course, the same shit you hear in a lot of other AA meetings. Like, yeah, they're talking about God, this and that. And Yeah, that shit got me fucking pissed off. I was like, no, fuck this. I'm not, I'm, I'm good off this shit. And so I continued my drinking, but two more times the same people dragged my ass to an AA meeting. And, you know, down the line i fucking i was like you know i'm gonna try this shit and at this point i was smoking weed so i stopped drinking but i kept smoking weed and everybody has a different opinion on that and i have my views on that but like that was for me that's not sober it's like that was not helping my shit at all and uh so i tried i went to my home group late show in oakland and that everybody was fucking awesome but i fell out i had surgery and i went to the bar and i just kept drinking fast forward to like Six months again. I grabbed my old sponsor. I'm like, let's try this again. Now, still smoking weed. And then I relapsed. And then finally, I gave in, being like, okay, weed ain't it. Because I was working in the cannabis industry and I got really high one day. And mind you, I was like living in a warehouse. I had been covered in piss and shit, never took care of myself. <laughs> I was covering myself with like Febreze and axe deodorant instead of showering when I had access to a fucking shower. And that, it was just like, that was my fucking life. Just covered in that shit, covered in fucking Febreze. And it didn't cover up my smell. And, uh, finally the next day, I'm, like, going to my job, and they get me really high. And I'm, I'm like, oh man, like, I cannot keep fucking doing this shit. Like, I really fucking can't. So my bitch ass, that same night, went to an AA meeting, and the next day, I went cold turkey on fucking everything. And, uh, you know, I also want to share, Uh, non-alcoholics drink non-alcoholic beer, and I'm a fucking alcoholic, so I can't drink that. And that was my last relapse, actually, was I drank a bunch of non-alcoholic fucking beer and actually got drunk off it. And so that's where the date November 17th came from. You know, I grabbed a sponsor, I grabbed a commitment. I started working the steps. I kept going to meetings. I kept riding my bike to the silly little meetings. so I wouldn't end my silly little life. Shit like that. And yeah. And now I'm living an okay life, right? Like, I'm still doing my steps. I reach out to people. I help start a meeting. I just grabbed another commitment at a meeting. At five months, I fucking convinced my way to get a secretary position, which was fucking sick. And here we are, like, five days from three years fucking later, and I'm still fucking sober. And um, yeah, shit's there's a lot of ups and downs. It's not fun. Earlier, I was having a good freak out. being like, yo, I want to, I want to, like, I'm overwhelmed. I want to fucking drink. And it's all these fucking things, right? And uh, what I did was, like, I reached out to a bunch of people until finally my sponsor got back to me. And they're like, yo, you got to really pray on it. Which I'm really tired of fucking hearing. But I fucking did that shit, right? And I prayed on it. And all this shit came together to where, like, yeah, okay. Like, I'm good. I'm chill. I'm solid. Like, I'm a few days from... Three years, like, let's get it. Let's keep going. and Like, let's see where the fuck life takes us sober. Like, I'm grateful that I got into this program. And sometimes it's really fucking annoying. Sometimes it really fucking sucks. But I still manage. I don't know. So, uh, yeah. That's kind of my quick 10-minute share. And I'm sorry if none of y'all got anything out of it. There are always a bunch of other meetings you could go to and also there's a cool 40 minute speaker about a hit right after me so yeah that's that's all i got for y'all
1: <laughs> jeremy alcoholic um thanks for the open i uh i got a lot out of it in, in fact you know i i didn't know i was gonna be recorded i kind of suspected it thanks dave um but um you know i, I was thinking about you know, I, I, love to share unprepared that way. It's not scripted, you know, I'm not making stuff up. I'm just talking, you know, what's going on with me. And, uh, you know, we follow it in AA, right. We follow a, a loose format of what happened, what it was like, right. That's probably the most important Then what it's like now. Right. Um, and the, what it's like now is, is only important because, it just showed it's a testament to the success of AA, right? But with, because I got this excellent open, I have a lot of, you know, what it was like, what happened. And then what happened even in sobriety, because I love that, you know, because I, I, I just got 20 years sober. So, you know, alcoholics are, we have a, we have a brain, we, we have a, we forget things. Right. And in fact, the reason why we forget things is because I I believe is my alcoholism wants me to drink again, even 20 years later. It's like I I thought when I had five years sober that I would be cured. You know, and fortunately I did this one day at a time, like like I I, I did it early on. Um because I, I don't think I would have made it as far as I am. So now I'll talk about. know what it was like okay so um and i had i have some similarities with the speaker um the two ones i picked up on was that i was born uh well i was i i come from a small town okay um but the similarity is it was a rich town and my parents are you know they, they my dad grew up on a farm in the you know midwest my mom grew up in a foreign country and, you know, had a very thick accent. And, you know, when she get mad at my uh, brother and I, she would say, get on the house. And, you know, my brother and I, we we would literally get on the house. You know, we were that kind of children. Right. Um, But I mean, I think there was something different about me. And that was another similarity is I, I thought there was something different about me early on in, in kindergarten. In fact, I, I was, I found out this later when I took uh, took a job in sobriety, that's a very strict and a job. But uh, my mom said, you know, when you were in preschool, well we had to send you to a Catholic preschool because you got kicked out of Montessori. And I don't know if you guys know what Montessori is, but that's where kids like pre pre-kindergarten, right? They, they get to, they get like a plethora of things to do. There's no structure whatsoever. They can go at the sandbox, they can color, right? Well, I got kicked out because I refused to do anything and I just sat there pouting, you know? And um, so, see, the thing is, I needed a direction, which AA did give me, but I didn't know I needed it. In fact, <laughs> when I got sent to AA, it, was, it wasn't by choice um, you know, I had to get this thing filled out. All right. Um, and, you know, so, you know, my childhood was, you know, I always fell into the wrong crowds. You know, I didn't know where I needed to be, you know, I, I, you know, in kindergarten, I got in fights because I was being, I was different. I was being picked on. Right. So based on my home experience, my dad was a tough man. My brother was tough. He was tough on me and my, my brother, but you know, stuff rolls downhill. Right. And my brother would, you know, beat up on me. So I naturally started beating up on kids at my school, you know, and, and, and back in the day, I mean, there's generational differences, right? We didn't have the anti-bullying policies that we have today. Right. And, uh, you know, that was just how it was. I, i be bullied. I would bully someone else and they would probably bully someone else. And uh, so, anyhow, uh, around second grade, uh, it's kind of funny when you think about it. It's funny I think back about my childhood. You know, um, my friends decided, or my associates, like like almost like juvenile criminals in the making. And actually, it's it's quite funny. In second grade, we got all got in trouble. We went to like the, the prank store and we stole, we shoplifted a box, a box of itching powder. And man, we, we hit on recess. We hit the whole school. Everybody was, you know, uh, nobody was left not itching. Right. And this poor girl uh, got dumped with itching powder and then had to be hospitalized. Now we're kids. We're in second grade. You know, um, I, I can't imagine what would happened today, but, I'm sitting there lined up with my friends and the teachers like, or the principals, you know, accusing me of doing something. And I had a, because I, it's like a drink. I can't throw the uh, half, you know, half empty packet away. Right. I can't throw a bottle, a half bottle of alcohol away. I had a pack of itching powder in my pocket and I'm trying to deny it. And I'm just scratching my leg. It's gone through my pants, you know? Um, you know, so that it's like signs like now that I think about it, you know, um, that it's always been there. So that's what the, the point of telling you all this is that, you know, and, and whether it's genetic or anything like that, after I had like three years sober, you know, I started a relationship with my dad that I, I had regretted, you know, or I tried not to, um, because he was tough on me, like I said, um, which will lead more into the story. But You know, he told me that my grandfather, and this is before a, I have an older dad, but he said, my grandfather said that he, he likes to drink, but he knows he can't. My dad's never seen him drink, but one beer in a barn one time. Now, you know, you add it up, you know, I think this is, you know, this disease of alcoholism is, you know, is, is, uh, it gets passed on, you know? And so, you know, I didn't intend to become an alcoholic and also I'm going to identify as a drug addict as well. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't intend on this, you know, so I got held back in second grade. All those lineup of friends of mine disappeared and I got placed. It was probably the best thing at the time to do for me because all of those kids that were standing me in that line, they're either in jail, prison or dead now you know, it's funny, even at that age, we started, so, you know, I started to try to like, do better, you know, um, you know, and, 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 you know, my brother was actually the good, uh, student at the time. And it's like, it's like almost, we reverse roles. I started to do well. And then my brother started to do, you know, bad things, you know, and it, and again, it was it was probably the people he was hanging out with, you know, um, my dad had to work and he was gone all the time. My mom raised us, you know, uh, it was very hard to live in the, in the city that that uh, we grew up in or the little town that we grew up in. It was a lot of rich people and it's very expensive. But at the time, you know, I, I blame my parents. I, I thought that, that, you know, um, you know, that that why are not you buy me a car like so and so? You know, why aren't you buying me? I was using my brother's hand-me-down clothes. You know, even my, the car that I eventually got in high school was a hand-me-down and my brother's car caught fire, you know, like that's the only reason I didn't get that one. Um, but you know, it was, and you know, but I, I still lived a good life, even though everybody around me was rich, you know, I I was pretty privileged if that's, you know, the word that we like to use nowadays. Um, But that didn't matter. It doesn't matter where you come from. Like I said, from the very beginning, it it just there is a uh, similarity here um, that we're different than other people. But it allowed me to, you know, go to rich people's houses and drink their alcohol. Right. Um, You know. uh, You know, find ways, you know, going to the town, you know, um, going to parties Uh, but you know, I was doing pretty good. Um, like I said, I, I kind of like something happened second grade, just rechanging who my friends were, you know, and, uh, I would go to great, you know, I would go to classes. I started to, I started to get a job. Like I was a little hustler, you know, that, that was funny. It was like at nine years old, I'd, I'd be the cute poor kid going to like door to door um, I didn't get an allowance like everybody else. So I, I sold like little green cards at the, at people's doors and they're like, Oh, look at this kid. You no, know? I I'd trade in these credits. Cause you, you're too young for video games. And, um, or I just, anyway, too much of my childhood. Let's move on. I'm a quarter way through. So after high school, okay. I mean, I got in trouble in high school. Don't get me wrong. You know, I got a girlfriend. It was, it was, uh, you know, it was just, you know, uh, but that's a funny story. The, my first girlfriend, right? I'm at the elementary school. I got my car, right? My beat up car. And I was making out with her in the, in the parking lot. That's what kids, you know, teenagers do. And we, when we were leaving, I'm like, oh, you know, we better go. And as we were leaving, a cop pulls us over. He asked for my ID. He checks it. He recognizes my last name and he just immediately says, I know your brother and I know your father. So don't give me any crap, you know? And then he told, he calls the girl's parents, you know? And, uh, and so, you know, that was very uncomfortable dropping her off that night. Cause her dad was at the uh, driveway. Um, but the reason I tell you that is because, you know, it, 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 it kind of formulated my, my, uh, my adult behavior because I didn't like the cops, you know, they, they prejudged me, you know, I come from this family that's known for mischief or rebelliousness, you know? And so, you know, after high school, I had this job that I was, I, I, I was doing after school from junior and senior year. Um, my parents sold their house because we were eighteen, and we 're out the door they 're going to go do their own thing. Um, they actually moved to a tra- a trailer for a while. It was a nice trailer park that they moved to. My brother was with them, but I got this apartment, and my high school sweetheart went to this great school, you know because I guess they had money, and I knew that my parents couldn't afford me to go to college, and that i 'm not you know. And I didn't even blame them. I don't even really think I wanted to go to college. I didn't even, you know, I, I scored good grades, but I didn't do that well. So um, that's when my alcoholism started kicking in because I, 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 even though I did some drinking and, you know, got in trouble in high school, I didn't really, you know, do the things I did afterwards. Okay. I got my own place. It was an apartment. And, uh, you know, I started meeting people. I started going to these parties with other um, basically some, some were college kids. Um, I, I knew rich people. So I kind of started playing that game. I found a town nearby that there was best parties at. And, uh, this one party though, I, I had before like online dating was a thing. Cause I was a nerd and I had a, like this nerdy job. Um, I met a girl online and uh, this was like, there was no pictures at the time but I went and I went to this party and this girl was not what he thought. So I, I don't know if anybody's gone through this situation. Now they do it now, but at least you had a picture. Right. And, uh, so I was like, okay, I'll, Oh, well, I'm just going to have fun and do what I do. And I, and I, and I drank and drank and drank and drank and drank. And you know what? I'm at a party. I don't know anybody. I met someone online. And you know where I come out of the blackout? I came out of a blackout. They found me in the bathroom with, with hugging the toilet seat. They kicked me out of this house. I didn't, they didn't know who I was. I was, I was literally in the lawn and the, the sprinklers were going on. They felt sorry for me. They let me come in, but you know, like good, right. They, they, they were like, this guy knows how to party. The friend of the guy who owned the house was all like, we're going to home base and you're fixing this toilet. And I'm all like, that's cool. I got money. You know, I got a job. So we went and got this toilet seat. We fixed it. And this was like a weekend party, man. I had arrived, you know, I had my people. Um, and, uh, you know, I, so I didn't drink, you know, you know, I say we have a short memory. I didn't drink a whole lot, but what I did was I, uh, I started serving the alcohol and I almost liked serving the alcohol more than I liked drinking it. (laughs) Um, And uh, I mean, this guy, one of this guy, (laughs) this this guy at the the bar, I was serving the alcohol and I got him um, so blasted and, you know, we're so good at getting people drunk, you know, as well as ourselves. Um, And he ended up causing more damage down the street, you know? Um, But, you know, I, I, uh, I had I had arrived. I had, I found my friends like we always did, you know, like I was back in second grade and, uh, you know, I had my own apartment. I would throw parties at there. I would, you know, i would organize. you know, I was very successful. I had a good job at this time, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I started throwing up parties at my apartment, um, uh, and, uh, you know, it, there was this rule, like you had to get like three people to complain on you at this apartment before they kicked you out or they did anything. And I only had two neighbors. I, I partied there until there. the, one of my neighbors moved out because of all the stuff that was going on, you know, and, uh, the third, you know, they kicked me out and I'm that didn't stop me. Um, What that did was, uh, you know, I, I, uh, my dad was all like, you know, you got this good job, you know, as long as, you know, my parents were like, as long as you're, you know, you're making money and, you know, this and that, you know, I didn't really have a good relationship with them, but, you know, they did help me uh, buy a house. And I was like 19 years old. Okay. So like, it's not that everybody's story is they, they got, you know, um, homeless and, you know. Uh, you know, when I got to AA, it was a lot of these old timers or older people that were saying, you know, you're not ready yet. But I didn't get sober until 22, so I got more of a story here. Um, but anyhow, um, you know, I, I bought a house. <laughs> 19 years old loves to party right you know got a good job you know and uh you know and and, and mind you I don't know what it was like I was in a black hole because now I think aA is super popular I had never ever heard of aA up until about six months before I got sober so and I'm kind of glad because you know I got to have a lot of fun um, Anyhow, so, uh, I got this house, um, you know, I filled, it was a four bedroom house. I filled it with other people that liked the party. Like I did. And you can imagine what would happen, you know, someone who had a good job, um, and young, irresponsible, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I did this for a long time. Um, I party, I'd go to, you, you know, I even, I had a fake ID. I mean, I went to the local liquor store and I got booze for the parties. It was funny when I turned actually 21 and I started buying, you know, I was like, I went in there I was all like, Hey, I'm 21. They're like, you've been buying alcohol from us for like two and a half years. You know, um, but, you know, so I like, I, I don't know, I did really well, <laughs> you know, I, I, I would go to clubs and, um, you know, if getting sober at 22. It's funny because, you know, like everybody thinks that Mecca is 21 and you get to uh, go all these places and buy alcohol. Like if you're like an alcoholic like me, you find your ways, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I. I like I, I had cops show up at my apartment. I had cops show up at my house, but this time I'm like, Hey, screw you cops. This is my house. You can't do anything. You know, like I was afraid nobody's going to report me. Um, You know, I, I got into it and my neighbors, um, you know, I, I, some of my neighbors, kids were partying at my house. Um, you know, but one kid's dad was a coke head and I was all like, Well, you're the problem, not your kid. You know, I'm not the problem. Um, And, uh, you know, I just, everything was an excuse. You know, I still showed up at my job. One of the jobs I showed up, like I smelled like some, something, uh, some drug that smells. Okay. And um, they were like, hey, I didn't know you did that. You know, it was a little bit of embarrassment, but it didn't stop me. You know, I was like, oh, I better shower and make sure I change my clothes before going to work you know? Um, and you know, I, I, I worked on computers and most of the time I was in a, a room and I wasn't really around anybody, you know, and I would sneak into work like hungover, you know, or, or just, uh, you know, I just didn't have, you know, I grew up with my dad gone all the time. You know, I, I, I was, you know, I wasn't the typical, uh, you know person I was spoiled in a sense you know mm-hmm. and what happened was um you know the consequences had to have start happening you know I had house it attracted a lot of uh friends that were supposedly my friends right I thought I had a lot of friends you know funny when you get sober how you don't have a lot of friends you know I uh I I um I also had connections from all these friends that, you know, it was like um, that had other things other than alcohol and uh, you know, it was, it was bad. It was really bad, you know um, but it was cool. Like back then and when I was young in my twenties or, you know, I thought that was cool. I thought I was it. I thought, you know, um, I could, you know, the girlfriend I had was going to love me because I, You know, I was so cool. Right. But they cheated on me and that could cause problems. And I get, you know, um, I'd get mad, you know, my but that anger that I was taught at a young age, you know, I was telling you about being a bully, you know, it it started to uh, manifest itself and and as an adult, you know, and, and uh, that doesn't, that doesn't turn out too well when the, you know, the police show up at your door. And uh, so I've been arrested and uh, multiple times and in a short amount of period. Like I said, I, I came to AA with a piece of paper that I needed to get signed. And uh, I, you know, and it was funny because one of those people living in my house, he also got in trouble about a year before I got in trouble and he told me about this place, these classes. And it was funny because the AA meeting down the street for me, it wasn't the greatest AA meeting. Cause he, that's what he was talking about with classes. And he says that cause he, he loved meth. And he said he met his meth dealer in this, in these classes. And it's funny. Cause like when I, when I had to go to AA, I actually met this person and he was in and out and doing his thing, you know? And, um, And it's funny because that same person ended up getting sober. I didn't know this. And when I had to go to classes, you know, um, he introduced me to that same meeting. And it was funny. It was like weird, you know. Um, But we all struggled in the beginning. And so did I. You know, so I, I had, it was funny. Actually, you know, before I got in trouble and I had to go to AA, I had gone with my my roommate and I went to AA the first time drunk because I, I thought it was just these classes. Let's go check this out. But I'm like, wait, you have to go to these mandated classes, but anybody could show up. You know, like because I had been to classes in college and I I I I got academic probation pretty much kicked out. Um uh but you know I went and I was all like, these people don't drink. This is crazy. You know, like, why do you, you know what's going on? So and then he he the guy invited me to go. Maybe he thought he knew that I was, you know, I need to get sober as well. And uh, I went back the second time. But this time I was um, I was stoned. And uh, I was like, you guys don't do this either. <laughs> I'm like, you know, so it, it's it's funny. My first exposure, at AA, you know, um, you know, I, I, I love it when people get to the AA and they have no clue what's going on. You know what I mean? Um, you know? And uh, so when I had to go to go, because I had to get this piece of paper signed, I wasn't too happy <laughs> because my first impression is like, these guys are not a lot of fun and I love to argue. And I also had to do actual classes you know, um, and those classes, I got kicked out because I wasn't acting appropriate, you know, and it was actually starting to make me mad. You know, it's like I have to pay these fees and I can't do whatever I want. <laughs> but the, the my, my counselor was uh, in the program and she was a very well known person in, in our area and a lot of people hold her in high regard till she passed away. And, um, you know, she was her and, and that other guy that I was talking to, those were my Eskimos, you know, uh, she kicked me out twice, but the third time I would have been in trouble, you know, and, and I, and then I started going to AA and getting that piece of paper signed. And, and I, I started to go, like, even if I, I didn't need to go, I actually started to like going that, that meeting that wasn't very the best meeting where they had even drug dealers there, you know, that were going in and out, you know, it's not like they sanctioned a drug dealer, but you know, I, uh, I started to catch this thing and I wasn't the guy that sh- shared at all in a meeting, you know, um, how much time do I have? Cause I stopped my timer. You've got till I uh, 10 more minutes. Perfect. Okay. So, um, this is what happened, right? I explained what I was like, this is what happened. You know, I started to just listen, you know, and I started to start to see the similarities and not the differences, you know? And that's that's what that speaker before me reminded me of, you know? Um. You know, I, I was, because what, well, what actually what she reminded me of was that I was, I, I just I just thought at the age of 22 that I knew everything and my dad always told me you know you, kid you know just enough to get yourself in trouble and was he right now I didn't admit that to like probably until I did like a ninth step uh but and a 10th step but you know I I I got there I got my paper signed I was no longer needed to go there you know I decided you know, I, deep down inside, I said, you know what? I needed to be accountable. Remember the childhood story about how I needed structure. Well, I, start, I kept coming back because you know what? I was afraid I would just, you know, go back to jail. I'd keep screwing my life up. You know, I had a house I was doing well, but you know, I was struggling, you know, uh, getting in trouble costs money. <laughs> um, and, uh, I latched on to these two guys who are still my friends today. And, um, I asked them to be my sponsor. And they're like, dude, no, we're not even, we're not even qualified. And I even ended up at three months sober. I said, you know what? I got to do this deal. So I asked this guy and they had said no. So I asked this, this, and this guy was a total hippie. He had an earring. He goes to like Woodstock. He was totally different for me. I, I, I like Pearl jam and grunge rock, you know? Um, and, uh, I asked this, this hippie guy to be my sponsor. You know what he had that I liked was serenity. And I didn't know what serenity really was at the time, but I did the steps, you know, and, um, you know, I, it took me a long time. You know, I balked at the fourth step, you know, I even, I, and I didn't even know this guy. I wasn't going to go tell him my deepest, darkest secrets. And I went to a workshop. I love those workshops. And I met in this Someone like who went to a workshop, uh, also like me, didn't want to tell some random dude. So we, we were random people. And I never saw that guy again. You know, I don't know if he stayed sober or relapsed. And then I, I said, OK, and I'm ready to do my fourth step with my sponsor. So, you know, there was, there's so many different ways, you know. Um, a big part of my story, but I don't really have time to go into it because I want to talk about what it's like now is that I was an atheist, too. And, uh, if anybody's an atheist, we, you know, I'll give you my number. We can talk afterwards, but, um, I ended up really, honestly, I'm an agnostic, but I go to church with my parents, which is really weird because I was so anti the whole God thing. And then, you know, my hippie sponsor, he he made it really easy on me. You know, the second step, I just had to find an open mind. The third step, you know, um, was to turn my will over, uh, to, as my understanding, you know, um. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't really have all the time to, I'm not, I'm not one of those speakers that go through all 12 steps. So I'll spare you on all that, but I will tell you this, that, you know, it took me a long time. Like I said, at fifth with five years, I thought I would be cured of this. And then I went through that, you know, um, I made mistakes, you know, I dated the newcomer, you know, um, I did all these bad things and, you know, um, you know, my jobs, my relationships, I had to make mistakes. I joined this really strict job, like I told you. Um, you know, I had to I had to practice these principles in all my affairs. You know, it's easy. I think it's almost easy to just hide in AA. You know what I'm saying? And 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 because we all work a program or don't work a program. If you don't work a program, then we can shame you or get the whole time or to school you. But when you actually have to go out in the real world and become something, you know, you have to. Practice these principles of affairs. And honestly, I'm very successful today. It took me a long time. I, I ended up having to sell my house and I haven't, I just bought a house for the first time since that house freaking three years ago. So from, from right when I got sober, I had to sell my house cause I was in bad financial shape. It took me 17 years for, for me to go buy a house. It's not like it was Ramos and you know what they say, you know, um, you know, I had to work on myself. I had to, you know, uh, I had to, you know, build relationships. You know, I built businesses and closed businesses, you know, trusted the wrong people. You know, alcoholics, I try to trust the alcoholics, but we're still alcoholics, you know. i uh, try tried not to try it's non-alcoholics, and they're just even worse, you know. Um, you know, I, I, uh, how much time? I'm going to wrap it up. But the point is today, you know, um, I, you know, one thing that took me a long time was that in the promises that I said, I will not regret the past and I'll shut the door on it. You know, I have a lot of things that I regretted relationships, uh, you know, financial decisions, um, you know, uh, my relationship with my brother who is sober now, by the way, but he didn't get sober till like 18 months ago, you know, um, The best part was that I got to instead of making just direct amends, I got to make living amends and become something, you know, that strict job, you know, it's 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 shaped my personality a lot. You know, I went from that punk kid who thought I knew everything to I think I'm pretty humble. You know, I haven't spoke this long about myself. Um, I usually like to hear other people talk and I have friends in and out of this program that were like, wow, you know, you have a lot of insight. My dad even said, you're so wise and you didn't learn it from me. <laughs> it was, it was shocking. Um, you know, I wish I could talk about what my life is like right now, but I the reason I, I chose not to, sh- to share so much about what it's like now is I really hope that everybody's on this, this journey and they're going to discover it. And know that you don't have to do it right. You know, you just have to continue to work this program, do it one day at a time. And I like, you know, all I want to really get across about what it's like now is that I don't regret the past and I love my life. You know, I still have hard days. I still have to practice these principles. I still get, you know, I forget things and I have a group of longtime friends in recovery that are here to keep me accountable and that's better than anything I've ever seen anybody else have you know those fake friends that I partied with you know I'm not really friends with any of them maybe one or two they want to keep touch they know I'm doing well I want to do them well but it's just that we don't have a lot in common you know I found a place where I have a lot in common with you guys I think like you and and uh it's been the best gift. You know, I don't spend a lot of time talking alcoholics. Most of my time is in the real world, doing my job, meeting other people, riding my motorcycle, um, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, and, and I don't recommend this to anybody new, and but I'm going to say it because I'm proud of it. It's like, sometimes I hang out at bars. Read page 101 of the big book, okay? It's not like I'm there to get a haircut. I'm not there to live off of that but I can go anywhere, right? Um, so you don't have to have, well, all the things that I thought AA would be, it's it's, it's morphed and changed, you know? I, I just live a f- truly free life, you know? I come back to AA because I remember what it's like. I want to give back, you know? And sometimes I have some really bad feelings about AA,
0: you
1: know? I don't know. I don't know, maybe that's like old timer syndrome, you know, but I, I don't want to be that, that guy that comes here and, and lectures or complaints, you know, I just want to come here and enjoy it and hear what you guys all have to share and see, you know, and if you need my help, you know, if, if there's something I have, like, I'm not here to push it. I hate when you see those old timers try to sponsor like the whole fucking room. That was my one time I cussed it. Okay. But anyway, I was, tr- I don't know if you guys noticed that I was trying not to cuss. Um, Not that it fucking matters, but um, I'm just a different person today. So anyway, um, I'm proud of that. I love you guys. Uh, Even though I don't know but two of you, uh, it was great to come out and speak for this long. So thank you. I'm done. I don't know where I'm at. And you guys didn't get to hear my quack, quack, quack uh, timer.